Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Here we go. Another Flyers Daily edition for Friday, the 30th of September, final day of the month of September. October means the regular season is just about here. It will be coming up in less than two weeks now as the Flyers will take on the Devils on the 13th. A couple more preseason games, well, three more preseason games uh, before we end the exhibition season. Flyers will be back in action tomorrow, 1 o'clock, against the Bruins at TD Garden. And Sunday they'll be in action as well. Uh, against the Islanders on the road, 7 o'clock evening game on Sunday, and then they'll wrap up the preseason coming up Tuesday back at Wells Fargo Center on the 4th against the Islanders once again. And like I said, they'll open up the season coming up uh, 13 days from now, and they'll take on the New Jersey Devils. So in this episode, I wanted to get to a couple late straggler questions that came in last night when we took some Twitter questions, because I think some of them are pretty good and I'd like to answer them. So that's what we're going to do in this episode as the Flyers will prepare for preseason game number four tomorrow. Our first question from last night, leftover, came from Gert Frobe. He said, worst case, no Couturier all season. Can this team win 20 games? So thin down the middle, a bit of talent at wing, and the top two pairings look like a disaster waiting to happen. Okay, so no Couturier. We're putting that this is the hypothetical. I hope that's not the case. I know you do as well, Gert. Uh, but say no Couturier for the entire season. I, I'd Look, I don't know how to put a number on anything right now when it comes to this team. My expectations are not high because I'm a seeing is believing kind of person. So when I see it, if it's good, then it'll take a little time. Then I'll start to develop some confidence in that. I don't know what too many pieces are just yet. I think it's almost impossible to handicap this season from a win-loss perspective at this point. We don't know if some of these younger players, the under-25 players, and like I mentioned in yesterday's episode, we could see 6, 8, 10 under-25 players on this roster. It's a young man's game now. A lot of teams have gone youth movement. Um, The Flyers appear to be doing that out of necessity as well. Uh, So I don't know how to really put an educated answer to you. I would love to say, yeah, they're still going to win 20 games without Sean Couturier. But what other injuries would they be dealing with? Are they dealing, is Kevin Hayes playing 75 games? Is Morgan Frost playing 75 games? And can he give you 45 points? Is Owen Tippett going to be a 20-goal scorer? Is Travis Konechny going to be a north of 25-goal scorer, where he should be, and about 50, 60 points? I mean, in the last season before the the bubble and before the pandemic he had 50 I think 56 points that year in 66 games so these are numbers that shouldn't be outlandish for a player like Travis Konechny are they going to get scoring from the blue line like they did a couple of years ago now as far as your last comment that the top two pairings look like a disaster waiting to happen okay that was the first preseason game that those guys played against the, the other night at Wells Fargo Center and, yeah, the defense didn't look great. Ristolani made a, a couple of mistakes. I thought he made some really good plays, too, with an active stick, breaking up plays at the blue line. But, you know, we know Sanheim and Ristolainen can play together. They developed chemistry last year. I think that chemistry will return. The question is, D'Angelo and Provorov, will they crack the code and figure out how to play together? Like I said before, I thought you could see them thinking on the ice in their first time playing a game together. They haven't even skated as D partners 
for more than a, a week before that game. It's going to take some time. It's going to not going to come together perfectly right away. And I know what you're saying. You're thinking, you're going, well, wait a minute. D'Angelo's not a good defenseman. He's an offensive defenseman. Well, that can still work. He was on a team last year in Carolina. I think they gave up the fourth fewest goals in the NHL. And he was on the top pairing with Jacob Slavin. You're going to say, well, it's Jacob Slavin. Yeah, Jacob Slavin's a very good player. Uh, but there are similarities with Provorov. Provorov's got to elevate his game. But I'm not convinced that the top two pairings are going to be the problem on this team. I think the more likely problem is going to be at the center position if Couturier is out, to your point. But it's hard for me to really handicap it with any kind of level of knowledge at this point, which, you know, a, a. Gilkis tweeted me yesterday and said, hey, how can we know what to expect of the team if the system hasn't even been put down by torch yet? Directed the, This is directed to the question that I answered yesterday. After the system is down, then you'll see players moving that aren't buying into it. Those comfortable collecting a check can leave. It's time to press and win. It's hard to tell who's going to fit the system, who's going to pick up the system quickly, all of those things. If they have the pieces to run the system properly, can they? is that system and their structure and the way that if they play hard and those things and get good goaltending, is the, are they defending less? Are they giving up less goals? Those things are all to be determined. I, I can't prognos- prognosticate it. Again, my expectations aren't high, so I, I'm not going into this with some lofty expectation. I'm going in with this with, hey, let's see what we got. This is wait-and-see mode. That's what this is in the beginning of the year for me. I'm not going to expect a lot because if I don't get a lot, then I'm not going to be disappointed. I'll see where it goes. After the last two seasons, I've learned to tamp down my expectation heading into this one. I know the players are all saying they got something to prove. that They do. That's on them. That's not on us. So I'm going to wait and see mode as I head into this season. I feel like that's the best way for me to stay sane, to keep the expectations in order. Look, I don't get too high and too low anyway. I remember when the Flyers went to the bubble. We know how they finished prior to the bubble. They were very good. They had the best record in the NHL, basically from the new year until the pause, right there with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they went into the bubble And they won the game against Tampa, they won the game against the Capitals, and they won the game against the Penguins, the seeding games. And they ended up with the number one seed. And I remember somebody DM'd me and said, oh my God, they beat all three of those teams, including Tampa. They're going to win the cup. And And my response to them was, settle down. Those games really didn't mean anything. They were just seeding games. And just because you won three seeding games or won a series and look good, doesn't mean you're going to win the cup. So I don't let my I I've been a Philadelphia sports fan for too long. I've try I try my best to keep my expectations in order. I that's the way I'm going to remain sane going into this season. And if things go better than I think, then I'll be happy with that. But I'm going to go in with a wait-and-see attitude. I also got this uh, message from Joshua, at 215 underscore Joshua. He said, Why has Ellis not been placed on LTIR? And why was it not done last year to allow cap space in a roster spot? That with a coinciding move and an elite local-born player is a flyer. Now, the player he's obviously 
referring to is Johnny Gaudreau. And why is Ellis not on LTIR? Well, Ellis can't be on LTIR right now. LTIR does not go into effect until the regular season. And in the offseason, you can only go 10% over the cap. So for a player, you have to qualify for LTR, LTIR. A player must be expected to miss at least 10 NHL games and 24 days of the NHL season. Those two things combined. You can't go on LTIR unless you meet those two requirements. When a player is on LTIR, a team can exceed the salary cap. Despite the common misconception, LTIR does not remove the cap hit from the team's overall cap hit. It just potentially allows the team to exceed it in that amount. So the amount that a team can exceed the LTIR is the LTIR pool. If a team is cap compliant on the opening day without using LTIR, and uses LTIR at any point during the season, the pool is the cap hit of the LTIR player, less the team's cap space when the player goes on LTIR. So here's the example. If a player makes $4 million, goes on LTIR when the team has $100,000 of cap space left, then the LTIR pool is $3.9 million. So because of this, teams can make moves, roster moves, move players in, move players out, and if they're going to make a trade to add... uh, a lot of cap, then you have to do some, uh, you know, gymnastics. But the whole LTIR thing, he can't go on it until the regular season. Your question as to why didn't he go on it last year? Um, I don't know why they didn't put him on it last year. Uh, they could have. They were under the cap and they weren't making, you know, they didn't need roster space last year. They weren't trading for high paid, you know, highly paid players where they would have been in a cap problem when they knew the season was going in the direction that it was. So, you know, it didn't make, they didn't have to put them on LTIR. I'll find out why they didn't. uh, And I'll bring that up in Monday's episode, but they don't have to do that if they're not going to use that cap space anyway. And they didn't last year. Um, As far as the coinciding move and an elite local born player is a flyer. Look, I love Johnny Gaudreau. I would have been more excited right now if Johnny Gaudreau was here because I like watching really good hockey players. But as you know, Joshua, I have said ad nauseum, it was not the time for the Flyers to sign a 29-year-old player to the kind of money that Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau got. It didn't make sense to do that. I know it's nostalgic and you have a local-born player that wanted to play here and all that. I get it. But it wasn't the right time to do that. That I don't think that would have been the right move. Look, I said that before free agency. Some people are probably going, ah, you're just kind of spitting the organizational line. No. I said this before free agency. Well before free agency. I talked about it a ton. Bill and I talked about it a bunch of different times. I didn't think it was the right move. If they would have signed him, would I have gotten excited? Of course. I'm human. But I didn't think it was the right time to do that. All right, last one. Carson tweeted in, at BigCars53. Good Twitter handle. He says, at Jason Mert, why do the Flyers keep getting rid of cheap, proven, veteran backup goalies? He said, I thought Elliott and Jones were both solid. Look at our situation now. Fedotov might have been a good backup, but given his situation, why not pick up another veteran backup? Well, salary cap. Veteran backup. Look, it's marginal in the difference. Fedotov's contract, Felix Sandstrom's contract, is about 780000 That's the cap hit. And a veteran backup 
is going to cost you close to two million, probably two million. So, you know, you go in a different direction, and you got to consider all things. If you're using this as a year to find out what you have, then do it completely. I was for a veteran backup, pending how things played out this offseason. Because I believe, you know, with a young goaltender like Carter Hart, even though he's got a, a pretty good amount of experience already, a veteran backup is my preference. But if you're going to see what you have with all these young players, 6, 8, 10, under 25-year-old players, it's time to see what you have in Felix Sandstrom. You drafted him back in 2015. So he's developed. He's been over for a while. He got five games last year. He looked pretty solid. I thought better than pretty solid. I thought he looked pretty good. And it's time to see what you have at the NHL level. And if you're going to look at what you have at all these other positions, why not find out what you have in Felix Sandstrom? Find out what you have with Sam Erson in Lehigh Valley. Give him a, a lot of playing time this year. They brought in a veteran, veteran in Troy Grosnick, but I don't think he's here to really be the backup. I think he, if there's injuries, yeah, he's the guy that gets called up as the second goalie. But I think the plan is to see what you have in Felix Sandstrom as a backup to Carter Hart. He's looked good so far. I need to see more, of course. Sam Erson has looked really good so far. I like his development. I like both of their games. But you got to find out what you have with these guys. Because you can't keep just pushing it off and pushing it off and then never finding out what you had, especially if it turns out to be good. It, it, look, if you find out what you had have and it's not good, that's fine too. You know. And now you can plan going forward. That's what this season's about. Finding out what you have. Whether that's at the goalie position, whether that's at the forward position with some of the younger players. Maybe that's some of the players that have been around for a little while. Got to find out what you have. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're back Monday. Another Mondays with Meltzer. A couple of games we'll recap on Monday's episode as well. But everybody, enjoy your first weekend of October. And we'll talk to you next week on a brand new Flyers Tale. Take your pictures down